Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Mike's on. He's ready to go. On the fan. New York Sports Radio. Mike's on. Mike's on. All right, we're going to put the uh, exciting Jet Giant stuff aside for a minute, a couple minutes. And bring in Eddie Olchek. Eddie has a, a new book. You know Eddie Olchek, obviously, from his days with the Rangers, from his broadcasting, and from everything else. Um, the great goal scorer that he was, and obviously a member of the Olympic team and a member of the Rangers Stanley Cup team, um, and uh, was diagnosed with stage 3 colon cancer. Uh, back in 2017, he's got a book out that's uh, published by Triumph Books. Eddie Olchek beating the odds in hockey and in life, uh, and he joins us now. November is Hockey's Fight Cancer Month, and Eddie Olchek was named the NHL's Hockey Fights Cancer Ambassador for this season. Uh, and obviously, uh, more important than anything else, uh, he will spread the word about. Uh, Early testing for all cancers and raising awareness for this uh, just insidious disease that uh, has impacted. There's no one who hasn't been impacted by cancer in this world, uh, in some family, in some form, in every way. So uh, uh, Eddie's going to tell us uh, this whole story now. Eddie, welcome. How are you? Hey, Mike. Nice to be with you, pal. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Eddie and I go way back, uh, and uh, I've known him a very, very long time. And, you know, he used to sit up there in 94 when I used to do the show afterwards, and he'd watch, <laughs> we'd watch the games together every night because Eddie had a broken hand uh, and, you know, was, uh, you know, was on the uh, shelf for almost that whole season, and he and I would sit together every day and watch the games together. So he was my constant companion for the whole season. So until he got, got back in uniform, in the postseason. So, believe it or not, that is now uh, an amazing, amazing amount of years ago. Uh, but uh, you've gone through a lot since then. You've had a lot of success in broadcasting. And then this happened. So tell the story for everybody, Eddie, of, uh, of, of how this happened and what you know, how it rocked your world, the whole thing. I'll let you tell the story. Go ahead. Yeah, well, thanks, Mike. You know, I mean, I was... Uh feeling good in the middle of uh, July of 2017 and I uh, woke up one day and and uh, just couldn't go to the bathroom and it wasn't normal for me so I did like anybody else would do is you you find some prune juice or you head to the grocery store and try to find some stuff to, to break it up so you at least go to the bathroom and it lasted a couple of days and uh, so I figured I better get in to see a doctor or raise my hand and say, hey, you know what, something's not right, I don't feel good. And uh, they did some tests, and next thing you know, I was having a six-hour surgery at the age of 50 uh, to remove 14 inches of my colon and a tumor the size of my fist that was uh, lodged in my colon. And uh, no family history. Uh, there were no symptoms that I knew of. Uh, and Had you had ever had a colonoscopy, Eddie, before that? 
The recommended age was 50, and I had one set up for November of that year, Mike. So I okay. was a couple of months behind. And, okay. Uh, I had never had one, um, but I was right at the age where they recommended that you do it. And for me, I was lucky that uh, that I did become constipated, that I couldn't go to the bathroom because – if I did not, um, I have asked my doctors and my oncologists that said, hey, look, you know, if that thing moved uh, and got in your stomach, there's a pretty good chance uh, you wouldn't be around in eight to 10 months after that. So I got very lucky that they found it. Uh, they diagnosed me on August the 4th at uh, 7.07 p.m. on a Friday night back in 2017. Uh, the phone call came in and I knew it was a bad phone call to receive on a Friday night from the doctor, and he told me that I was sick and that I had stage three colon cancer, and they now, were Eddie, recommending stage three, six months that, of chemotherapy. Stage three is considered, is that like 50-50 chance, or is it better Ma- than 50-50? It's, ma- it's manageable. It's, it's manageable, manageable, but it okay. depends. Yeah, it depends on where you are and, and where it is exactly in your, you know, in, inside your stomach. I mean, if it gets to the inside and your stage What did they tell you when they, when they first diagnosed you? What, what, what did they tell you? What, did, they get, did they tell you what they thought your prognosis was as far as whether it was life-threatening? Well, they felt that it was, it was very confident that they could uh, attack it, but okay. they wouldn't know until after the six months of chemotherapy and to see if there was anything else that was possibly going outside of the colon because they did take some lymph nodes and those are the safety guard outside the colon area, and, and they they were tainted with cancer. So they said, "Look, you know, we we are here to cure you, not treat you. Do you understand the difference?" And and that really got my attention, Mike, because okay, it's going to be six months of hell, but you know, hopefully, when I get on the other side, that uh, I will be clean, and uh, and that's how everything kind of transpired. So for six months, you know, everything or right before that, everything was great, feeling good, and next thing you know, it came to a screeching halt, and I got very lucky because, uh, you know, of, of, of finding it when I did and being able to treat it and, and cure the disease. And look, cancer is always going to be with me the rest of my life. But at the end of the day, uh, it was, you know, it was, it was a difficult time for me and my family and in my circle. And now my, my purpose in life, Mike, now is, is to make sure that people are getting tested. Now the recommended age, Mike, is recommended at 45 in our country. It 45. was 50 okay. just two years ago. Now it is 45. And look, trust me, I would rather have somebody go in and, 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 and have. And it's not hard. Done. It's not a hard no, no, test. No. I've done it. I've done it a couple not. of times. I only have, to, I've been lucky enough where I only have to do it every five years because right. everything's been good. But it's not a big deal. As a matter no, of fact, I had not. the guy put, the guy put me, who was a friend of mine who's a doctor, he put, I, he put me out. So I don't even have to, I don't even, yeah, so I've had it a couple of times. It's not a right. big deal to take the test. Right. It really, the only hard part is drinking the stuff the day before. Yeah, that's right. the, but yeah, look, that's let me it. Say that's this. 10 look minutes, at, though. That's 10 minutes. Here. Four, 24 hours of drinking the prep yep. and running to the bathroom 15, 20 times in 24 hours. I would trade that in for anything with having to go through six months of hell and chemotherapy and not know what's going on the other side. So please, anybody out there, do not put it off. It's important. you got to make sure that you're taking care of yourself or somebody that you know. Please tell them to go ahead and get checked out in particular for, you know, for a colonoscopy or just staying up on top of this because I would trade anything in the world of having to go through what I did for having that test prior. But look, it was me. And uh, that's my purpose now is to spread the word and, and hopefully help somebody out there. Tell him, take me back though, Eddie. Here, here's Eddie Olchek, who, uh, if you know him, and I know you folks do, he's had a storybook life. He's been a 
hockey phenom. He was a great goal scorer. He's a handsome guy. He's had a big TV career. Uh, he's been very successful. He's got a good family. There you are. Everything's great. And now this happens. First of all, as you're going to the doctor, did you think, did your gut tell you that you were really sick? Did you think, or, or, or did this knock you for a loop? Uh, I felt that something was wrong, and I knew inside that uh, whatever was going to be on the other end of those tests was going to be bad. I, so I you did thought that. something and, was and, bad, okay? So yeah, you were, I did. were you, but were you flawed when they said the word to you? Were you, were you? What can you remember about when they said the word to you? Well, I say it in the book is that it, 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 you, it. When they tell you that you have cancer, you feel weak. You feel less. You feel like you let everybody down. And then, how am I going to? How, how is this going to affect my kids uh, to go down and, and tell my kids that I was sick? The last thing you want to do as a parent to ever let your kids. How down old were and, they at the time? I'm sorry. How old were they? Um, well, I mean, my oldest was 20, 25 at the time. And my youngest was 19. So okay. four, okay. four kids in between those ages. And look, right. it's the last thing you ever want to do is to worry your kids and, whether they're going off to school or going off to coach hockey or play hockey or my daughter going back to Alabama to go to school, uh, you, you know, you throw their world up in a nutshell and you're wondering like, okay, well, how long, you know, how long do I have? I mean, when I, I heard tell that everybody, word, Eddie, did you get everybody together? Did you do it all in one fell swoop or did you tell well, people my in? wife, my wife was with me when I got the call and I, I know my wife prepped my kids prior, you know, I'm sure she prepped them for the worst, but uh, I went downstairs and saw them, you know, it, it, collectively, they happened to all be home. And it was probably the hardest thing I ever had to do is to go look at your kids and, and tell them that and to, to worry them. Because like I said, that's as a parent, you want to make your, if your kids are good, you're good. And the last thing you want to do is, is to upset them. And, but we're going to get through it. We're going to get through it together like everybody else and, 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 and our family, like we've done everything else. And, and that to me was the, that was the hardest thing I had to do, but I will say this, Mike, and I talk about it vividly in the book, is that when I got into my second treatment of chemotherapy, I would take chemo every two weeks for 48 hours uh, for six months. I got into treatment, too, and my side effects were, like, it, it, it broke me down. I mean, it, it brought me to my knees. It tests your will to live, and I told my wife, I'm done. I quit. Like, I would just go to the bathroom without having to go. Like, you just would grow. You would just go. Uh, I had nosebleeds, blood clot, neuropathy, bad headaches, and I just told my wife I quit. How am I going to get through today, let alone how in the hell am I going to get through the next five months? Like, there's no way. I can't do it. And my wife grabbed me, and she just looked at me, and she said, you got to fight. you got to fight for me. you got to fight for our kids, and you got to fight for all the people that love you. And I needed that, Mike, because I was ready to bail. I, and I never quit at anything in my life, never, whether I was – Playing for the Rangers, standing behind an NHL bench, or I'm down 2,500 bucks at Belmont. I'm not quitting. That's me. I'm, I'm just not ever. I've never been a quitter. And this just it broke me down so much where I just I it was hard, and I needed that from my wife to set me back straight. And that was the turning point for me. And I started looking at it. Okay, I'm just gonna fight, and I'm gonna just go day to day. And there are a lot of people out there that are going through that battle, or have gone through it, or will go through it. And I think it's very relatable because it was just one of those situations where you don't know where to turn. You know you have that support, but just it just I had enough quiet time to last me a lifetime, Mike, when I was going through that battle. And it was ups and downs and emotional and 
So when my wife told me that, you know, we cried and I'm just like, okay, we're going to, I'm just going to fight. I'm just going to go through the next day, not worry about what's at the other end. And, And that really helped me get through. And I was very much at peace, Mike, when I was sick. I really was like the most important people in my life knew how I felt about them. But I was very much at peace because look, if my time was up and I knew that this was going to be it, uh, at least the people in most important in my life knew how I felt about them. So did mentally, you ever think you weren't peace. going to make it? Ed? Did you ever think well, you weren't going to make it? I mean, sure. Cause like I said, when I heard that word, when you heard that, I, at least when I heard that word cancer, I think about death and that's what I thought about initially. And you think about it and look at all the medicine, the, the, the chemos, the steroids, everything. I mean, that's it's just a massive concoction of medication, and you right. you drift into oblivion. I mean, you you fall into a black hole with all that quiet time, and you start thinking about so many things. Uh, it's an emotional time, not only for the person that's in the battle, but also for the family. And uh, look, I'm still scared, Mike. It's always going to be with me the rest of my life. Every time I go back for my checkups, every three months. You know, there's that anxiety that kicks in and the heart rate goes up and you're just like, you know, please, I just like, let me, you know, let me continue to be clean. You know, like that's, so, that's it. But I, it's going to be with me. And uh, I think I have a major purpose in life now is to hopefully somebody hears my story or somebody can help them get through the day or bring somebody hope. Uh, that was kind of the spirit of the book is to uh, try to make somebody at least help somebody get through the day and say, hey, look, if that, if that old broken down hockey and horse player can get through it. Uh, I can get through it too. Well, listen, uh, and I think the message is Eddie, and I think that's part of it. We're talking about Eddie Olchek, his new book, Eddie Olchek, Beating the Odds in Hockey and in Life Triumph Books. Eddie was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer uh, in 2017. Now, thank God, he's cancer free, and he's become the spokesman for the NHL and their fight for the cancer month this month. In a lot of these cases, and colon is a, a perfect example. Same thing when you're dealing with the prostate, something like that. Yes. These, that's a blood test. That's an mm-hmm. easy test. Even the, yes. even the colonoscopy. There are some cancers that we don't have really good testing for yet. We know that. Correct. Okay, pancreas and uh, brain and so, the different ones that can get people that are rare. But these right. other ones, these tests are there to save lives, and they will right. save lives if they, if they find it early. It will be... It'll save somebody's life. So go get the test. Get a simple blood test every year to get what your PSA number is. It's as easy as that. Mm-hmm. And then the colonoscopy, like I said, I've taken, I think, three now and uh, in my life. I think three. Um, and it's not hard. It's, 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 it's really not a big deal anymore. I, you know, it's not, a, it's not that big a deal to take it. It's, it, it's, it's, it's a simple thing to do, and it's one day in your life. And like you said, instead of going through years or maybe losing your life because of it, that's they can be preventing, and that's what they're trying to preach here is early testing, right? Yeah, and that's why the the age has been recommended. The, the national recommended age is 45 now, Mike, because the numbers have gone way up in the last handful of years. Like I said, two years ago, it was 50. Now they've lowered it to 45. And again, encouraging people to be aware, raise their hand if they're not feeling well, uh, helping out, you know, people that, you know, maybe aren't, you know, maybe looking after themselves as well as they should and just say, look, you know, like this is really, really important. And if there's one person that hears me today and goes and, 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 uh, and get screened then you know, hopefully keep them having to go through, you know, what I did or somebody else. And look at Mike, I, I, I was very lucky. I know there are a lot of people out there way worse off than Eddie Olchek ever was. I understand that, but all I can do is explain, <laughs> tell my story, 
try to teach, try to inform, and uh, if I can help somebody uh, either stay away from it or get through the day while they're in the battle, then it was well worth me putting 16 months of pen to paper to write the book. Well, it sounds like that the uh, the cure was tough, though. It sounded like the chemo was uh, was really tough. How did you? What I mean, obviously, your wife telling you to fight, but what yeah. was there anything else? Any little tricks you learned to make that more? palpable where you could just stand it i mean get through yeah. those days what, what 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 did you come up with any little tricks to kind of figure out how to handle those days was there anything that you found after a while of doing it yeah i mean i think just initially it's it's the the massive intake on the body where it's just you know it's their shock and you know it it, it really weakens just, you right it really weakens your body it weakens your body a lot oh right? it does yeah, yeah. Ab- absolutely and it just it's just a massive transformation that goes on for me it was Initially, it's just, you know, you, you're, you know, you, I mean, it's little things, but I mean, you know, just your, your taste buds and it feels like when you swallow, you're swallowing, uh, you know, nails, and, you know, whether it's just gargling with hot salt water or, you know, setting goals for yourself. And that's what helped me get through, Mike, is that once I had that setback after treatment too, you know, I just started setting goals for myself. It was getting back to work and doing games for the National Hockey League or, you know, getting ready for the Breeders' Cup in November or, you know, just that to me, I, I got back to my hockey mindset and setting goals and getting on a schedule and, okay, you know, I'm going to have chemo every two weeks for 48 hours and then it's going to take me a few days to get through it and then I'm going to have that next week where I'm feeling decent. I'm going to get out. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to work. I'm going to do those things. And I think setting goals for yourself, or at least for me, it really helped. I don't want to say pass the time because as I said earlier, I had enough quiet time to last me a lifetime, but it just, it just helped me focus a little bit more. And as the body continued to take the medicine and it became a regular on a regular schedule, it's at the start, the body was fighting it. And then once I got in the middle of my treatments, my body was saying, okay, come on, I'll take it. Come on, you, you bring it to me and I'm going to fight, you know? And, and I just think that it became a mindset for me. And I'd like to think I was a strong minded person and a strong minded athlete, but I think it did, it did break me down and I, and I needed that reset. And uh, as I got into it, I just continued to set those goals and it helped me get through the, you know, the toughest six months of my life, obviously uh, with the support of my wife and my family and my circle. And, and one thing I will mention, Mike, is that we have to remember the caretakers and caregivers of people that are helping the people that are in the battle because they are going through a lot as well. They're going through an, an, an intense mental battle. My wife, I never saw my wife down. I never saw her weak. I never saw her worried around me. But I know is that when I was by myself resting or she was away from me, I'm sure she had her moments where she let her guard down. So we have to make sure we're taking care and looking out after the caretakers and caregivers as well because they're in that battle as well. How long did it take, Eddie, until you felt, uh, first of all, that you felt better, and secondly, where you felt where the doctors uh, gave you some good news? How how long was it uh, far? How far along in the process? Yeah, well, I mean, I I had my last treatment on February twenty first, twenty eighteen, at nine o two in the morning, and then I had my scan a month later, and then in between that or right after that, I had a I had the had a hernia surgery that I had to get corrected right after that, after the, the surgery from the, the tumor removal and, and, and my colon. So, uh, I mean, obviously when you get the, the news that you're cancer free is, is something that I will, you know, that I will never forget, but 
to actually rid myself of all the medicine. And honestly, I think it was just probably in the last three months where I just kind of finally felt like I had just, I just cleansed myself, you know, and that's, you know, that's, it's almost 18 months, Mike, since the last chemo treatment. And I just mentally and physically just from side effects, I just finally felt like I just kind of rinsed and washed myself of everything. And I just finally, in the last couple of months, I just, I feel completely normal, back to normal as far as health wise and look wise. I mean, look, I gained 50 pounds when I was sick. You gained 50 pounds? 50 pounds because of the, yeah, the steroid, if you wow. look, if you, if you just I was going to think you lost weight. You, you yeah, gained right. weight, well, huh? Right. Well, when you if you would just take straight chemo, you would be. I mean, you would. Yeah. I mean, you would lose a lot, and you would be on your back for twenty four seven for six straight months. So what the steroid does is, is it obviously affects the, the chemo and all the other medicines. What do you take? take pred- prednisone. You it, no, prednisone. It offsets. It offsets you. You know that's what it does. So it gives you an opportunity to live a little bit. And, uh, for me, I just blew up like a balloon and put on 50 pounds. And wow. I mean, that was difficult. So, I mean, I lost all the weight I gained, which was, you know, irrelevant. If I was going to be healthy, I'll trade the 50 pounds for being healthy. I mean, but so those are all the things that you have to deal with. But just the last couple of months, I finally feel like, I finally feel like I'm back and, uh, and, uh, and back to where I was before I got sick. Were you, it, was it from, did this, it, was the steroid, did the steroid make you hungry? Uh, I was pretty hungry, but I mean, you just get so bloated and you just gotcha. swell up so much. I mean, look, I, 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 I tell the story in the book, but I mean, it's, it's fact. I have a, I have a fitted Cubs World Series hat down in my basement. And I wear it every once in a while when I take my dogs out, I take my pups out and I got sick. And one day I was feeling frisky and I wanted, and this is like probably, I don't know, three or four treatments in Mike. So I'm talking, you know, six weeks into my treatments and I go to grab the fitted hat and I can't get it on my head. Mike. (laughs) Wow. I can't get it on my head. I look like, I look like flounder from animal house. I was just like, I can't believe it. You know, like I swelled up so bad, you know, I couldn't had you, had you ever been an ounce overweight in your life? Never. Right. Uh, I mean, maybe a couple of pounds, but yeah, nothing. I'd look at, I've never look at when I got to two forty nine two on the scale. When I weighed in for my last treatment, I was like, I've never been two fifty. I'm I, that I never hit 250 pounds and I'm not. And I weighed into two forty nine two, and I was like the happiest guy in the world that I didn't hit two fifty, but and when you're playing weight, what'd you play? What'd you play at? Uh, I was anywhere between 198 and 210. Yeah. Gotcha. Wow, that's a, that, yeah. that's, ama- that, that's amazing. We're talking with Eddie Old Chicken. It took you until when the doctor finally did. You get the good news in stages, or is it one fell swoop where they say, "Eddie, here's the news"? Is it mm-hmm. is it coming stages, or does it come all at once? It came for me all at once after I completed my 12 treatments. So it came in March of 2018. So seven months later, after I was diagnosed, do you feel? Do you still get? Uh, I know someone who uh, had cancer and was given a tough diagnosis and beat it. Mm-hmm. And every year I had to go back for the scan, and every year got so nervous when the scan yeah. when it was time for the scan, just afraid yeah. of hearing bad news again, mm-hmm. and would always be crazy for a couple of days before that. How about how about you? Did you get like that? 
Oh yeah, every three months when I go in, I mean, I go in for my and you get you still and, you still get nervous, right? Oh, the anxiety. I mean, the nurse always tells me. I mean, she always says, "Oh boy, your blood pressure's up and your heart rate's up." I'm going, "Well, what the hell do you expect? <laughs> I've been coming here for the last year and a half, scared to death. Of course, my heart rate's going to be up. I mean, you know, my my standing heart rate at home is 59, and I come here and it's 120. I mean, of course, <laughs> I'm scared to death. You know, I mean." So, um, but I'm, you know, I'm very lucky, very blessed and incredible support I have from my family and friends and the National Hockey League and the horse racing community. Uh, I couldn't have done it by myself, Mike, because it really, you know, I, the one thing I learned about myself, I, I, I'm way tougher than I ever thought I was to have to go through that. And anybody, anybody that has taken that medicine and anybody that's in a battle, you are way tougher than, than you think, because like I said, it touched your will to live and. You know, you think about a lot of things, and uh, it's. Uh, I'm, I'm just. Uh, I'm so thankful, and like I said, my purpose in life now, Mike, is to hopefully help one person out there. And today, when you've kindly had me on your show, to if there's somebody out there that hopefully I'm I sure can, there is more than one. Absolutely, and that's uh, that's what it's all about. And uh, hopefully, it'll make an impact in our community because at the end of the day, when you know when we're all gone, uh, people will. Uh, you know, will hopefully people will say that we made an impact in some way in the community. It doesn't matter what we've done or how much money you make or, you know, how long you've been on the radio or played hockey. I mean, at the end of the day, were these guys good people and, uh, you know, were they good in the community? And, and that's, you know, that's my purpose now. And now you're back to, you can do everything you ever did before, right? You can still that's keep it. the same, you're doing, no you're, restrictions. Yeah, you're no doing restrictions. the same things. Ha, yeah. Have you, and, and light, lifestyle doesn't cause that. So we know that it's not something that, right. you know, it's not, it, right. it's just the way you, you I know, just basically, absorbed it. I just it. absorbed yeah. it, Mike. Yeah. I absorbed it somehow. That's what they told me. They, I absorbed it. That's yeah. And you just, you know, you never know what your body can fight off and can't fight off. Everybody's right. different. I mean, everybody it's, you're dealing with cells and everybody's different. That's just the way it is. Everybody just yeah. battles things a little differently. So how do you, and you feel good now? I feel great, Mike. I really do. Back to doing what we love to do. I'm doing, doing the Rangers and Red Wings tonight. I was at the Breeders' Cup on the weekend and uh, back to, uh, back to doing what I love to do. And uh, very, very lucky and blessed to be working for NBC and, Doing what I do and working with the people I do because that's uh, you know that's what life's all about. So I'm, I'm very lucky and it's always great to be back in New York. And Mike, I've been coming back here obviously since you know we won the cup in '94. And there isn't a time I haven't come to this great city and I don't have at least at least a dozen people come up to me and say thank you for '94. Like my role on that team is well documented. I have a very small role on that team, but you know what? People still remember our team from 94 and that's something I'm so proud of. And hey, it's nice to make people feel good. And when people talk about, it, I did a signing last night at the NHL store and the NHL shop. And, uh, I had so many people come up and just say, Hey, 94 heave hole. Thanks for 94. And, uh, you hear the stories and that, that means a whole heck of a lot. And they'll always be a part of Eddie old check here in New York. I always think of that 94. I always think of that crazy Asa Tikkanen. That's the guy, uh, you know, you know <laughs> crazy. He was nuts. He was nuts. Yeah, that both, guy. both on and off the ice for Tik. Yes. Yeah, he was nuts. That's that's the guy. That's the guy I think about. I mean, obviously, yeah. you used to watch the games with me every night. And I remember that so well. And people, you could write a book about those playoffs because a lot went on that's never been discussed about those playoffs. You know that. Yeah. That, was, well, I, that 
whole devil series. That devil series. A little bit in the book. Yeah. Well, if you told them some devil stories uh, around (laughs) between games five and seven, you could tell. You could write a book about that, as you know. Yeah. There's there's a chapter on that for sure. In there. (laughs) Uh, Well, listen. I'm glad you're doing well. While I have you, a couple of things. Islanders have won ten games in a row. How good are they? Nah. (laughs) Look at. They are they're 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 very good, and the job that Barry Trotz and Mr. Lamarillo have done Lam- there is Lou's good. a genius. You know that he's been, a genius. He is. He is. I know he yeah. is. He's one of he's look. I, I talk about yeah. him in my book. He's one he's of my genius. mentors. He's been he's there a with genius. me he since, since I made the U.S. Olympic hockey team when I was 16 years old. So I know Mr. Lamarillo extremely well. Look, they play a certain way. You know, look, it's not. You know, it's not an entertaining brand, but when they do go. When you see Barzell skating and doing what he does, and Nick Letty rushing the puck, I mean, like this is this is a team that has learned a lot over the course of the year, this last year, and taking can this it to be the a next championship level. team? Can this be a championship team, Eddie? Uh, I still think they're probably, in my opinion, probably another offensive and offensive forward and a D man away. But look, you get in, Mike. Why not? I mean, look what happened last year in the playoffs. I mean, look at Carolina, like. You know, I mean, I, hey, just give yourself a chance. So the way they're playing right now, why not? Why not? Because these look at it to me, it's Washington and Boston, and everybody else in the Eastern Conference. So if you can get in, you know, if you can get in and have to face one of those teams eventually, uh, you give yourself a hell of a chance. So championship team this year, they're probably a bubble team for me. Talking about a championship team, but you get in and you get you you know you, you get an upset somewhere like we had last year. Why can't they go to the Stanley Cup Finals? I think that they have that ability to have the leadership both on and off the ice to do it. All right, how about the Rangers? You know, the Rangers are a funny team. Like I've seen them play that Tampa national game a couple, you know, whatever it is, last eight nine days ago, whatever it is. And man, I mean, like you're sitting there, wow, this this is what you know, this is what you were thinking that they could do, and then you have a game like they did the other night. But you know what? You're going to have games like that against Ottawa. I mean, it's just the reality of it. They got some good young players, and they spent a lot of money by getting a guy like Truba and, and the bread man Artemi Panarin is like he's the real deal. Like I think there's still another level for him to get to because I think he has the ability to be a top ten scorer. If they can get that consistency in goal, uh, I think that they become you know I think that they're a bubble team come playoff time, uh, but I think they're certainly on the right track. JD and their staff they're going to be patient. Jeff has done a really good job. They got a lot of draft picks coming. They've had some draft. They had a lot of drafts this past this past season. So I think being patient and staying the course, and I think the Rangers are going to be a dangerous team here in the next couple of years. And the Devils? Uh, you know, I think the start, you know, obviously was very disappointing. The biggest question mark I have, I think it's one thing, and it's around the league, is Taylor Hall. What's going to happen with him? You know, the A, does he want to stay there? And B, how do the Devils handle it? Like for me, Mike, when you have a guy who is a proven player in this league and a former MVP, and yes, he was banged up last year, and it's almost the same situation as John Tavares, almost the same little younger player, but do you let this player dictate the terms? Do you let him drive the bus? Or if you're the team in the organization, do you drive the bus? What do I mean by that? If you've offered him that, if you would offered him the, the, the kitchen sink and he's not willing to sign now, can you afford, as an organization, can you afford to play that game to get the free agency and lose him for nothing? The answer to that for me on both of those players, Tavares and Hall, is no. Look, at, Could you imagine how much farther the Islanders would be ahead 
if they would have traded Tavares. Now, Garth Snow was not allowed to trade him. That was an ownership decision by not trading John Tavares. But if you're the Devils, could you let Hall go for nothing? To me, the answer is no. So if he's not going to sign, then I think that you have to move him at some point and get some assets because I don't think you can afford to lose a premier player and a guy that is arguably your best player right now for nothing come the summertime. And that's where, you know, that's where Ray Shero has to, to put on that right hat and make a decision. But what's, what's the, what's the philosophy, what's the philosophy of the organization for me, if I'm running a team like that and a guy, and we've offered them a max contract and the player doesn't want to sign, I'm sorry, you got to move the guy and get some assets because you can, I don't think you recover from losing a guy like that. Now you could say, well, the Islanders have not going to argue that, but think about, if they did move him when they had the opportunity before he left for Toronto, think about how much farther ahead they would be, or maybe look how much closer they would be if they would have gotten something for him. So for me about the Devils, it's one thing is what do they do with Taylor Hall? And if he's not going to sign Mike, uh, I would, I would shop him around and get the best deal I could. The book beating the odds in hockey and in life published by triumph books, Eddie O thank you Eddie for a couple of minutes. Good luck with the book. Uh, We'll chat along the way and stay healthy. Okay. I appreciate it, Mike. Thanks a lot, Thanks, man. Thanks. Thank you very much. Eddie Olchek, and again, uh, Eddie's story, uh, diagnosed with stage 3 colon cancer in 2017, uh, and had, like I said, had had a great career, he was 50 years old, and he tells that story, and this is the uh, hockey, hockey uh, fights cancer month in the NHL, and he is this year's uh, ambassador, and he will continue to spread the word about early testing and raising awareness for colon cancer. Uh, so, and he's back doing everything uh, for NBC, doing hockey and doing uh, the horse racing, which he loves. And really good guy, really good guy. He was a great goal scorer, as you know. He was on the Olympic team when he was 16. He was on the Rangers, and he didn't play until the playoffs that year because he had a broken hand. Uh, but he did have a role in the playoffs, as you know, uh, if you go back that far with him. And uh, that was a wild time. It really was, and a very memorable time. Back after this. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.